welcome to the One Life Podcast. We're talking about things from One Life Church, ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Brett. Um, so I just thought of this. I have to give a shout out to my wife because oh, yeah. I've not done that before on the podcast, yeah. but she started with the most recent and worked her way all the way back and is like down to episode two. I oh think. my gosh, wow. really? And so yeah, she has done, I don't know if anybody else has done that. She may be the one that's done it. And what's more impressive, she listens to me talk all the time. And so she's actually riding Continues around Continues to listen to you. Listen to me. Yeah, wow. That's right. yeah that I think that's something. pretty impressive. You know, we yeah. should have like some club or something that people like that can belong to. Well, she may be the only one. You I don't should know. have a prize. Yeah. <laughs> like a mug. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You should do that. Absolutely. Wow. So thank you, thank you Krista. That, 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 I appreciate you listening. Yeah. Um, also, I know Ellen Brown. She's one of our staff members here. Every week, since they message, oh, great podcast. So, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, she, so she'll be that. in that club. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so we're giving Ellen a shout out, too. We're just giving shout outs. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the podcast, <laughs> email us at podcast <laughs> yeah. at I'm talking to all the episodes, though. No cheaters. That's true. <laughs> That's right. That's an exclusive club. I haven't listened to all of them. I don't. Well, I mean, well, you were on most of them. Most of them, yeah. but it's not all. It's probably hard yeah. to listen. And a couple to that yourself. I missed, I think, I didn't listen. To, That's fine. Which I feel bad. That's okay. It's not a very good. There was one was just me and Bob. I wouldn't listen to that one either. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he won't listen to this. He didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's right. Good point. Um, we are in a series at our church called Restore, Rebuilding the Broken Soul. It's kind of the tagline. Um, and really just at a time and a season of everybody's life where we know that um, it just feels like everyone needs a moment to kind of just take a breath and, and focus on restoration. Um, it doesn't need to be um, this large thing. It can be really simple. Maybe just things you didn't realize you even missed. Um, we talked about lamenting. We've talked about um, faith and kind of talking more, uh, continuing on um, some more through that journey. And, um, on the podcast, we've been trying to figure out ways that we can talk about some of that, um, maybe in a more practical way, but also in a way that just maybe has some conversation about some of these. And so today we're joined by, um, somebody I'm excited to just hang out with my friend, Carolyn Edwards. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Um, Carolyn, um, so first off, we always want to start off just kind of knowing a little bit about um, who you are. And today what we're going to talk about is grief. Um, I should have said that early on. And some of those things are like, oh, is this going to be sad? Maybe. I don't know. It might might be a little bit, but it might just be mm-hmm. something that let's let's talk about it. You know, let's have some of these mm-hmm. conversations and some questions that um, we've come up with that we think might help everybody have a little bit more understanding and go through this process together. So um, first off, we always want to just start out a little bit knowing about who you are. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about um, who Carolyn is. Hmm. Who am I? That is such a deep question. Really is, That's yeah. almost Explore that. stumps me right there. You know, last time you were on the podcast, you've been on the podcast before. Uh-huh. You told us you were like Star Trek. Totally. Yeah, I remember Totally. That. And Picard's been out and I have to highly recommend it. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. On CBS All Access. Oh, really? That's a thing? It is excellent. So what does excellent. that mean? Does that mean the original John Luke is back or is it when he was younger? Is it like a... No, what he's, is it? it's him. It is it's him, him. The actual guy. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then... Sir maybe, Patrick Stewart. And then maybe, is it him? Oh. Oh, okay. Is it well. him or is it not him? Oh, is but that But in the first it? season, it is him. Okay, so it is Patrick Stewart. Aren't you maybe. glad that <laughs> that's what I'm telling you about <laughs> myself? That's right, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. That sums it up. Well, you play keys on one of our teams. That's I do. I, yeah, yeah I play keys on, yeah. on the team and um, um, teach um, now 201. Yes, and um, have been teaching 201 or 101 for I don't know how many years now, but for a while. That's true. It's like a it's uh-huh. like a basics of Christian theology yeah. thing for those mm-hmm. who may not know that. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, then I, I really here at the church, I, I probably hang out a lot of time with a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carolyn has been somebody for me personally. I'll say this in the last few years. I'm that someone who's been very pastoral in a lot of ways for me, being able to come to and just talk about things that are going on in life. And sometimes it's just like friendly conversations. Sometimes it's more like mentoring and sometimes it's more of like probably a counseling session of like listening in, but um, it's been super impactful and I'm really glad that we've got to be friends. Mm -hmm. So, and Mm -hmm. we get to hang out with another group of friends that Mm -hmm. we do fun things like rent out the movie theater and watch older movies. Uh, Which I didn't know you could do, which I'm really excited. We watched Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's Such amazing. Good that's good. And that's Carolyn does a lot of that. Carolyn and Interstellar. I, I Inter- I Interstellar, you did watch that at the theater? I needed to watch that again so I'd understand. Oh, it's it. amazing. Okay. And it's great. Because yeah. as soon as, as it, was, it was over the first time, I was like, okay, I have to watch this again because yeah, totally. I didn't follow that yeah. very well. It's Maybe deep. Kind of dumb. It's it is deep. deep. It's very mm-hmm. deep. So but being a Star Trek fan, you probably could get in the zone a little easier than Unfortunately, the probably. Person. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I got it all <laughs> because together. Because we okay. just got this theme in my life here going on. Yeah, exactly. She's the Star Trek chick. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Star Wars, too. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about okay. your jobs, okay. um, some yeah, things that you've done sure. in the past, things that you do now, and, yes. and even when we think about grief specifically, mm-hmm. kind of that journey, um, why why that's something that you're kind of, you've worked with a lot. Like it's mm-hmm. been a part of your, your journey. Sure. Um, um, I've actually been in ministry 31 years. 31. Yeah. Wow. And a third of it was in um, pastoral ministry in a church. Um, And then I became a chaplain. Um, And so from that time on, um, so at least 20 years, I've been a chaplain. And um, I started out first in hospice, and now I work at Gateway. Um, So my beginning with grief... um, it, it was personal, and at the same time, I, you know, started working at hospice so that it, they went together. Um, so on the personal side, um, my mother had a massive stroke, mm. and she went from being a vivacious, fully alive, active person to being paralyzed and could not talk. Oh, dear. And she took care of my dad, who had Parkinson's. And so I became the caregiver of both my mom and dad, and everything in our family changed. And I, most, my grief mostly, like the most significant grief in my life is watching my parents grieve. And having to live, like for her, to still be fully alert, but to be stuck in her body. And to lose their homes, like they lived in Michigan in the winter and then went to, no, Michigan in the summer and went to Florida in the winter, played tennis and golf every day. Um, The morning she had her stroke, she was up at five in the morning working in the garden. And so everything changed um, in our family. And to even just recently, I'm going through photos. I'm going to start crying. (laughs) This is going to be a sad podcast. (laughs) It's going to be a real podcast. It's um, all right. It'll be real. People I just saw a picture um, going through photos of my mother um, when she finally had to go into a nursing home, and her face was just completely dead. Mm. And, you know, just the emptiness that was in her eyes for what her life had become. So she was, you know, our grief was for a person that was actually alive. This wasn't a death. It was a different kind of death. Um that involved more grief 
then my parents have since died, and I felt much more grief over my mother's stroke than of her death because it was so terrible. At the same time, I went through a divorce. So I was going through a different grieving. And then, you know, coincidentally, I start working for hospice (laughs) where people are dying. So one wasn't linked to the other? You didn't think, I've been through this grief, I've experienced it, I want to help others? It was No. Um, You know, really, as I was going through the divorce, um, I called, I had trained as a chaplain, and I had already worked for a heritage hospice, but I had to stop to take care of my parents. And so, and when we separated um, to be divorced, I called my, the guy that trained me, my boss, and said, do you have any openings? And there was an opening uh, for hospice. And so the very week that we separated, the position opened. Um, So I started working for Deaconess Hospice. And I was hired as the chaplain and the bereavement coordinator. Mm -hmm. I never had been trained in grief. I I, I went to seminary. I took the basic psychology classes I read Elizabeth Keebler-Ross on the five stages of grief, and that's all I knew Mm. going in. Um, So, um, But I had a lot of pain because at the time of the divorce, I had to put both my parents in a nursing home. And, you know, I took care of them at home. Um, So it was like going through so many, so many different things. and God really uh, probably is the most significant time of, of growth for me at that time. But because I knew nothing, I, I was really honest with um, the families that had lost somebody. And I basically said, I don't know what I'm talking about. You're going to have to help me. And um, so everything I learned was from people that are grieving. And I had the categories because of my experience I had the emotions, but I might not have had the depth of like someone that had lost a child, yeah. but I still had the categories that I could understand to some extent. Right. But the best thing I did was I just listened. And um, I spent a significant amount of time grief doing grief counseling. We had um, three support groups. Wow. Um, it was a, a very thriving bereavement program. Yeah. Um, so I did that um, for, I think, eight and a half years. And then I um, took the position at Gateway. And part of it was because I had, to, I had too much grief, really. You can only counsel people on grief for so long before you kind of need a break. And, but God um, kind of, it was like the best of both worlds um, because at Gateway, we have the humor of working with staff and the fun, but then there's still grief um, because when I visit patients, they always talk about the death of their loved ones. I mean, they always say, my husband died a year ago. Um, you know, some will go through every death that they've experienced. So I hear these stories about people grieving. And of course, we do have a lot of people dying and we are with families, um, but we're only with them for a very short period of time. So you can't really say a lot about grief from that short period of time that we're with a patient that's dying and then, you know, we're with the families um, for, you know, maybe a week and then um, 
you know, we just don't, you don't, you can't say as much as far as what the family will go through. But I do hear these stories still, you know, from patients. We've had patients come in the hospital that, you know, the day before a family member died Mm -hmm. and now they're in the heart hospital and they're literally have, you know, like the broken heart syndrome. So um, I continued, I continue probably, you know, maybe once a day to be there for people that are grieving. Um, And the other thing that I've noticed is it's not just grief about death. What people, you know, patients go through are many losses that are related to their illness. So they might be dealing with a loss of finances, um, loss of independence, maybe they can't drive anymore, Um, definitely a loss of dignity when you come into the hospital, Um, maybe they can't do the things they enjoyed anymore, maybe they can't work anymore, Um, maybe they've lost relationships, Um, maybe, you know, when they're older, all their friends have died, Um, or, you know, they've gone through so many different deaths, Um, lost their home. Um, There's so many losses that people talk about that are significant, and people need to talk about it. You know, they, they need to... Um, I think they people don't talk to their families. People don't like to worry their families. So usually people, you know, keep quiet around their family. But if they have a chaplain that's like anonymous, yeah, then, then, they'll, sense. then sure. they'll just talk it through. Yeah. You know, they'll just talk it out. And that's one of the reasons why we're there. You know, that's one of the reasons yeah. why we're happy to be there. So that's like a really long explanation of... Um, you know, my grief, the journey, sorry, that <laughs> no, was no, like, okay. that uh, was the whole podcast. Well, it, no, it, um, <laughs> it, it suffice to say that you, you know a lot about this topic, so yeah. you're the right person yeah. to be conversing yeah. with yeah. about it. Yeah. And you said you really weren't familiar with the book side of it, but mm-hmm. most of it came from experience. Yes. So, and what would you say is important for people to know that perhaps might not be found in a book, at least that you know of? Uh-huh. I'm sure it's been yeah. mentioned somewhere, but yeah. what have you learned from all the listening that you've done, the yeah. experience that you've had? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because the books are really good. I mean, the books are helpful. So I do want to honestly recommend, um, especially maybe a devotional. There are grief devotionals that just give you a little bit. Really? Um, to think through for the day that people find very helpful. Um, so usually somebody has some kind of, some book that has helped them. Um, but the thing that I don't hear very much about um, is guilt. Hmm. Uh, now, when I worked for hospice, we had, we had about approximately 500 deaths in a year. And so we followed up with all those families. And I, so I called them like a month out. And for everyone I talked to, they all talked about their guilt and their regrets. Mm. And so out of all of the things, I mean, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different emotions, but I would say actually that's like one of the most common things I hear is the, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done, you know, yeah. If only I had done this. Um, now, is that related to what's perceived to pre- prevent something, or is it the kind of stuff I wish I would have spent more time, or yes, we would have gone on could. more walks, or or a little bit of both? Sorry. Um, 
<laughs> hey, by the way. I like the clapping of the is, lid. <laughs> this is a commercial. This is a really great water bottle. Well, it's great because it's giant. It's got times on it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. how much you're yeah. supposed okay. to drink. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. That was a, it was that time, was just according a, to the bottle, to do that. That yeah. was just to, you know, lift our spirits in the middle <laughs> right, of this. I got you. Um, so it's both. Okay. Yeah. So um, just an example, um, because both of my parents have died since. Um, I remember the weekend that my dad was dying, but I didn't know he was dying. He was in the hospital, and he was delirious. And my dad, okay, we're from Michigan, so we're, you know, total Michigan people. Right. So go blue. And by okay. the way, yeah. we're, we're so not... I was going to say, I don't know, know about what school. that would mean. Well, University I understand the school, University but what Michigan. it would mean to be a Michigan If person. I say Michigan, right. I mean University you of Michigan. You mean the school. You're talking about the school. <laughs> it's just, the state's irrelevant. Okay, got Yes, okay. yes. So um, anyway, he was delirious, and he kept like saying i want to watch big 10 network <laughs> big 10 network okay. all weekend and so my dad and i always bickered and i'm like dad they don't they don't have big 10 network here and so we argued like the whole weekend about mm. big 10 network okay well dad and ended up dying and so you know the thought at first was I wish I hadn't bickered with dad, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, this last, I mean, you know, the whole weekend we bickered yeah. and, um, because he wanted to watch Michigan sports Maybe. yeah. and, but I did fortunately for me, and I don't think this always happens. I did have a vision of my dad, um, right after that, when I thought, boy, I wish I hadn't argued with him all weekend. And I had a vision of dad, you know, as a young man and I realized in heaven, he is not thinking about the bickering that we did over the weekend, and he doesn't care. And right. so I just was able to let go of it. Yeah. But many people cannot let go of it. And many people, I think the thing about guilt, you know, those people, you, I know you've heard this, uh, where people say, I know that Jesus died for me and God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Mm -hmm. there, that is a hard thing to help a person through. Right. Um, and what I learned is I, as I tried to comfort people and, you know, say, you don't have a reason to feel guilty, that that absolutely did not help them at all. <laughs> Me trying to make a person feel better and, you know, trying to talk them out of their guilt or fix it never helped. So I just realized I just have to listen to them with empathy and, um, you know, just be there with them in the feelings that they're having with the guilt without trying to make them feel better. So does it, is there a way through to the other side of the guilt? I mean, if, if I've, if I'm burdened uh -huh. with that, if I'm listening, yeah. I'm burdened with that. Yeah. What's the define you to talk to? I, I, mean, I think the, that with grief, um, you, you will go, you will get through it if you don't avoid it. And I think it's just fully acknowledging the emotions that you're feeling. And if you do, you are going to get through it. Okay. Um, if you keep avoiding it, if you obsess about the guilt, that would be one thing. And you might need to get counseling for it later. But at, at the time that I usually talk to people, like, you know, in the first six months, 
it is not necessarily the time to work it through. Sure. I think it tends to work it through. It works through itself. Right. Um, especially if they do have a real, where they have experienced forgiveness in other ways. Um, I just really trust that somehow it can work it through unless a person just gets stuck. <laughs> unless yeah. you get stuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a caveat. And people get stuck and they need sure. to get in counseling. And, but when I, when I think of stuck, I'm thinking at least a year or so out, not, okay. not in the first year. I mean, all the, the emotions that people feel, um, are very normal in that first year or and maybe really in the next couple of years um so if it's just if it goes on and on and on then i think they need to get help yeah but you made the distinction between uh-huh. ignoring it and or or avoiding it maybe that's the word you used um i don't remember which one was <laughs> but if you you got to go through it mm-hmm. so don't don't avoid it no you so don't how do i avoid it, it? How do I not avoid it is, I guess, the question um, I'm trying to I ask. I think it's just, um, it's for any of us to, and I think that's, you know, some of what we're doing even now as we're trying to recover from COVID is just admitting what we're feeling. Right. You know, even the lament, going through the lament was, was an acknowledgement, mm-hmm. you know, of what we were feeling. So I, I think we try to recognize like what we're feeling and now with grief, the emotions will be all over the place and people will feel lots of different things in a day. But to actually kind of name it and identify it, respect it, um, respect that it's a valid emotion. Don't try to talk yourself and say, you know, if I was a good Christian, I wouldn't feel this way. I, you know, I'm just going to get busy so I won't think about it. But actually just sit with it for a little bit and acknowledge it. I think that I, I can't explain how that helps, but it does, you know, and yeah. I think, I think that's all, we, I think we just have to respect it and acknowledge it, you okay. know, and, um, and then somehow that gets you started. You said that, you know, grief is an emotion, you have mm-hmm. multiple emotional yes. responses. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't really even said like, how would you even define grief? I mean, obviously it has a lot of definitions, yeah. a lot of different, you know, uh-huh. I know you talked about stages of grief. Uh-huh. You, you gave us some resources that yeah. we'll post um, in the show notes um, mm-hmm. for you guys can read through some of these as well. But I mean, how do you, cause, cause I think I've heard of grief as a practice, you mm-hmm. know, like people can kind of practice grieving like mm-hmm. in, in, in doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you even, uh, that's a, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't prep you for that one. <laughs> That's hard. She didn't do the book thing. She just watched it. So she, she knows it when she sees it. That's what. Gosh, well, what is grief? It is, um, it's experiencing loss. Yeah. I think that's it. And, yeah. And, I mean, that's a simple way to say uh-huh. it because if there's a lot of other emotions that are going with it, and I love that you talked earlier about like, it's not, most of the time I think we think of grieving. I, I think of my first son is like, visiting somebody at a funeral home and like, mm-hmm. what do I say to them? Yes. Like, what are mm-hmm. those, those things that we say? And I want to ask you those questions, but mm-hmm. I do want to say, you know, when we talk about grief, what are some things that we see it even does, you talked about this a little bit, what does it do to emotionally and to our bodies? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like physically, like mm-hmm. I see people that you know, can't get out of bed or like, yes. what are some of those things yes. that you, maybe you've seen and been mm-hmm. um, seeing people kind of process through? Yes. Um, well, actually, a lot of people have a lot of health problems um, when they are grieving. Um, I actually noticed when I was working for hospice and making the phone calls that 
there were many times when I couldn't get a hold of a family member because they were in the hospital because they had had, you know, a heart issue, their blood pressure was high, um, maybe had a stroke. Um, a lot of times with people that were caregivers, they ignore their own health. And so then when they lose their loved one, it's like their health just completely falls apart once they're no longer caring for the person. Um, so there are, there are just, you know, headaches, uh, loss of appetite, not being able to sleep, sleeping too much, um, eating too much, you know, it could go either way. Um, stomach problems, uh, you know, all kinds of health issues. Um, any, anything, you know, uh, in, I don't know, gastric yeah. issues, um, nausea, all kinds of things people can have. Um, and very, very often people are experiencing grief physically. Um, I know, like even for me with COVID, um, I was very calm all the way through COVID at the hospital, but I did internalize it and I developed a lot of health problems. And so a lot of times we think we're doing great, we're peaceful, and then all of a sudden we're going to the doctor all the time, you know, oh, yeah. and dealing with all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so um, Interesting to yeah. think that sometimes maybe, you know, you, something that's going on mm -hmm. and they're like, they're trying to treat a symptom. And mm -hmm. in a sense, it's, it's mm -hmm. uh, maybe a lack of grieving well. Would you say that? Or um, maybe it's just a process of grief. I think that grief takes so much out of a person um, that it, it, um, it can be when a person's not grieving well, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like with any emotion not processed well, mm -hmm. it can be turned into a physical issue. Um, but sometimes you are processing well and you still have health issues. Yeah. Um, so um, I, it's just often an issue, especially the sleep. Sleep is often an issue for people. Um, you know, it's such a drastic change, right? If somebody's in the process, like yeah. even your experience mm -hmm. of how quickly you said everything was different, mm -hmm. it's a it's yeah. a mixture of that, and in a sense, like a, a complete lack of being able to control what's mm -hmm. happening. Absolutely, like, yeah. It's such a weird mm -hmm. like um yeah space to be in. Um, I do want to go back to that yeah. that question of of when we talk about um somebody. You know, I use this example like mm -hmm. I, I go to to visit someone um who just lost a loved one at uh, a viewing a funeral viewing and you walk in and it's always like i don't know what to say mm -hmm. um what are what are some things that people say like that you know maybe i mean because i feel like everyone's like i'm so sorry mm -hmm. and it's like that's just kind of a, a thing that you say mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. not that that's wrong but like mm -hmm. are there things that people should say or what are the things that you i don't know would coach mm -hmm. people to say um or not I, say i would say <laughs> yeah yeah i would say say as little as possible um, because usually people say cliches mm -hmm. and for in, in just leading a lot of support groups, nothing is more upsetting to people and then to hear a cliche. Mm -hmm. Um, so any, you know, I, I talked about don't try to fix a person right. or make them feel better. Um, and I know that sounds really, really strange, but a lot of people try to make people feel better at the funeral home or when they're visiting with them later. And I first would ask, what is our motivation? Because I think it's hard for people um, to be around intense pain. And we always want to try to fix anyone in intense pain. 
So a lot of times when we're trying to comfort someone, we may be doing it for ourselves. Um, you know, and when somebody's grieving, they're grieving and nothing's going to make them feel better. Yeah. Nothing will make them feel better at the funeral home. But what will make them feel better is just that you're there. Purely that you're there and that you keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can even say, I just don't know what to say. Right. Uh, but I love you. Yeah. And that's it. I would definitely don't say, if you need anything, call me. Like that's really the worst. Every every person says, if you need anything, call me. But people aren't there. And and a person that's grieving will not call. Right. But they need you actually, they need you to be in their lives. So um, I think, you know, it's like action might be a better thing okay. than words. Um, so like, well, first of all, at the funeral home, you know, just hug them and tell them you love them. Um, just keep it really simple. Hopefully they'll talk and, you, and listen. If, you know, if they're talking, just listen. Um, don't make any promises. But in your internally, make up, you know, a promise or commitment yourself yeah. to that person to follow up with them. Mm. Um, because often what happens after a loss is people disappear. Like they're there at first, like in the first week or so. But then all of a sudden everybody disappears. And what, what, those, what people need the most is um, for somebody, you know, to say, hey, let's go out and get coffee. And just listen, not to fix them, but just to be with them yeah. or um, bring them a meal or, you know, um, cut the lawn for them. Um, just do something for them. And that takes courage yeah. um, because we're all afraid of grief. You know, it's like yes. we all want to tiptoe like. Yeah. <gasps> and so because we're afraid, we often don't do anything. Um, and so then the it's person, hard to draw close to, yeah, because it's intimidating hard. almost. It is extremely intimidating, and because we can't fix it, we can't make them feel better. We just avoid. Yes. So it does take courage, but um, just an example. Um, um, the other day, a Valentine's Day, I was at Target and I decided to buy cookies for you know everybody that lives around me. Okay, we're talking cheap Target cookies. That costs like $3, you know, two for six. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I picked up the cookies and delivered them with a card to um, all the neighbors kind of like around my house. And the next day, the daughter of the person across the street came running over to me and said, thank you so much for those cookies. And she, she said, my dad died a month ago. And my mom said, I won't get anything for Valentine's Day this year. Oh, my goodness. What? And it was just. <laughs> uh, it's a God thing there. I know. Kind of, I know. Yeah. And it was like three bucks. And I remember <laughs> thinking, this is really stupid. I mean, who, who wants store-bought cookies <laughs> yeah. you know, that cost three bucks? You know, I should be making the cookies myself. And delivering them. Of course you that should. That would be right. right. Yeah. And so it's embarrassing, you know, just to go deliver <laughs> store-bought cookies. But I did. And it was, 
it meant a lot to her. So I think a lot of times we have that shame or we have insecurity that keeps us from reaching out. I Another example is, um, uh, and this is from our group, mm-hmm. um, when my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law died this year, and, um, and at the same time, I had developed COVID, and I gave COVID to everybody in the family while we were around her deathbed. So I gave COVID to my brother, who is in his 70s and grieving the loss of his wife. Okay, (laughs) so that was really If you can paint a worst-case scenario during all this, yeah, you you just did. I felt really real. Talk about guilt. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But um, so, you know, I do have a lot of relationships with a lot of um, the women in the church and, you know, and some of the guys. And um, so what they did for me is, you know, brought – food, you know, and groceries, and cut my lawn, and filled the bird feeders, and made hummingbird food for me, and picked up prescriptions, all kinds of stuff that they came alongside me and helped me with. Well, that's, that is what a grieving person needs. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it takes boldness and courage just to step in and try to be there. Um, you know, because I deal with grief all the time, I probably have more confidence that I, when somebody is grieving, like at the hospital, we have so many people that have lost somebody and I'm able to just go up and like give them a bear hug, um, despite COVID. But, um, and that is very comforting to a person just to do that and just, you know, hold them for a long time. It's easier for me as a woman to do that. It's, Probably would be harder for you, but um, <laughs> probably a little awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a lot, <laughs> but, yeah. Oh. But you know, I think um, I always try to make sure I know when there's a death in a family of a staff member, and try I try to follow up with them and just spend time with them, listening to what's happened, and sitting down with them. But I really never give them any advice. Um, definitely don't say any cliches pretty much keep my mouth shut what what are some of those cliches can we just name Um, some of them because i just feel like we should um well if they lived a long time well at least they lived a long full life um you know um you're not as bad as that person who lost Mm. their spouse and their child um you know they're um, they're no longer suffering um they're in a better place um you know what about ones that maybe aren't specifically with death? The same thing. Yeah. Honestly, I think when anybody is struggling in any way, say as little as possible and just listen. More action. Like- yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the greatest guidance on all that is in the New Testament where it says, uh, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice uh-huh. and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. You know, somebody celebrate, mm-hmm. celebrate with them, you know, give yeah. them a high five. But mourn with those who mourn if yes. someone's mourning okay there's your cue yes mourn with, I, i'll never forget when yes. in my uh my wife's dad died and that was the first kind of encounter i had with that something that mm-hmm. close and it really is true when somebody walked into that room this is at the funeral home when somebody mm-hmm. walked in the room that's all i had to do uh-huh. oh they're here yeah that was it yes. and i wasn't waiting around for them to say something uh i wasn't like on the edge of my seat, uh-huh. you know, oh, what are you going to say? Yeah. That's, uh, oh, they're in a better place. Oh, great. Like that's yeah. a good line or something. No, it was simply the fact that they walked in the room. I'll never yes. forget that because I had that over and over and over again. Yes. And I thought, oh, 
okay. Mm-hmm. But most people, you don't know that yeah. until you've experienced it. Yeah. And that's, you said you've got confidence and that's the big thing. Most of us think we're going to do something wrong and then we do something yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're intimidated by it because yes. it's like, I, I, I'm going to step on your toes that are already sore anyway. Yes. Um, but pr- your presence is always welcome. Yeah. No matter what. Um, even if a person's trying to isolate, you know, um, and that is really scary. It really you try is. To reach yeah. out. But um, your presence means a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, once in a support group, we were talking because no matter what, whether you acknowledge the death or don't, it's hard. You know, for those that are grieving, everything might could strike them as off, you know, and so you could offend them no matter what you do. But I asked them, so, you know, somebody was um, upset because somebody said something. And I said, so would you prefer that somebody say something or not say something at all? You know, as far as just like give them a hug or just acknowledge that yeah. that that they lost somebody. And they, they said, it's always better for you to acknowledge. So you do want to acknowledge. And the other thing is down the road to continue to acknowledge. Because um, this is another, like a myth. People think that um, they're supposed to feel better after like three months. And they definitely think they should be completely cured after a year. But people often, people that have lost a spouse feel worse after the first year. And anyone that's lost a child, you know, just continues to feel worse. Um, And really that year mark is just reality become, everything becomes more real. And they they lose more and more of the denial. Denial's there at the beginning, and it's a buffer. And the denial stays longer than you think. So it's gradually fading off during the year. So actually it gets worse and worse and worse. And so people think I'm getting worse and there's something wrong, but actually that's the way it, it works with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like, for instance, um, one of my staff people, um, her mother died a year ago Thursday, and I visited her mother every time she was in the hospital. And I always say, How's, how are you doing today? I don't say, how are you doing? Like, don't do that. You know, but like, how are you today? Because it could be a good day. It could be a bad day. Um, And I know that um, on her birthday, I bought, I bought her cardinal earrings because cardinals always remind her of her mother. Hmm. And um, I am going to buy, I'm going to get a bush, like a rose bush for her on Thursday, for Thursday um, to remember her mother. Um, and you know, it's just, I will acknowledge, I won't tell her what to do. I won't, you know, I won't try to comfort her or anything like that, but she'll know I'm there for her. And then I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like she, you know, people continue to need support down the road. And it's, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, because in a sense too, you're acknowledging that, you know, that that's happened too because for her she feels like no one else remembers this uh-huh. like it's something that I just mm-hmm. live with yeah and so I mean I have a friend that like I'll consistently ask maybe questions about someone in, in her life who had passed and, and try to use his name like mm-hmm. even to yes. remind because I feel like that's just to remember yes. like oh you know who that is and that 
like, do you feel like that's something that, yes. I mean, Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think so often people almost are afraid, like, do I even talk about it? I don't want to mm -hmm. bring it up because mm -hmm. I don't want to make them sad. And I mm -hmm. feel like most of the time when I have people like they had engaged in conversation, almost like, thank you for asking. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And it does seem to be healing in a sense. A good friend yes. that lost yes. her husband or early. He lost, yeah. he was only 32. And, and, um, and she, she could tell everybody was avoiding mentioning him uh -huh. because they were afraid that it would somehow bringing him up would make yeah. him sad. He's like, she said, I'm thinking about him all uh -huh. the time. Yeah. You know, she said <laughs> that's all, all I'm time. thinking about. Yeah. And so yeah. bringing him up, you're not doing anything new for me. No. You're, mm -mm. you're actually doing me a favor. And so, yes. uh, uh, you know, it was, it, it cheered her whenever mm -hmm. people would tell stories about him. Oh, yes. remember the time that we, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of counterintuitive for most of us, yeah. but uh, we need yes. permission to, it's okay do it. thing to do. Yeah. Do and you know, actually though, now that makes me think when you do visit, you know, go to the funeral home. If you have a memory of that person, yeah, that's a good thing to share. I usually try to do yeah. that with someone I'm close with because yes. I'm a story person. I'm yes. a visual in that. Mm -hmm. Especially if you walk around, there's some great pictures, and mm -hmm. I love to say, "Oh, I'd never seen that picture." You know, yes. like because a lot of times those are it really, and then you get a really fascinating story. Yes, um, you know, or you see a friend, you're like, "Oh my gosh, look at look how you know funny you looked there." Yes. You know, it's like and try to just yeah. bring some lightning of. Not, I don't have to, not to make them feel mm -hmm. better, but to be like, oh, wow, like try to bring them back to a memory that hopefully Absolutely. Them and um, when people are dying and I'm in the room with the family, um, we often have times of sharing stories. I'll, I'll just mm -hmm. ask them like, you know, what was your mother like? And you get some pretty interesting answers yeah. Oh, yeah, for that. Yeah. Um, so, um, but, you know, to ask that um, and invite them to share stories and definitely to mention their name for sure. Yeah. Because it doesn't make, it, it makes people feel better in the sense that I've watched people do that and they'll, they'll start telling stories and then they will. Yes. They, I've heard uproarious laughter in, yes. in a funeral home yes. and it goes back and forth, but that's yes. part of it. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch mm -hmm. and it's a good thing. Yeah. And just even the idea of commenting on a picture would be a great idea mm. or asking about a picture. I think that would be yeah. great. Um, but the big thing is you're not trying, you're, you're letting them do the talking. Yeah. You're just, um, you're giving them an in so that they can start talking. And even yeah. if that, like, cause I've been in a handful of moments where you go up and like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You know, mm -hmm. I love you. And there's, there's just this awkward moment of uh -huh. like, and you just kind of let it be awkward and yes. i usually move on because i'm just awkward yeah. sometimes but um <laughs> but most of the time i'm again i like i don't i don't want to add to you know um yeah to try to like because a lot of times what i'm worried about, i think what you said this like we're worried about making ourselves feel less uncomfortable yes mm -hmm. um and that's the least thing you want to focus yeah. on. yeah it is definitely um it requires courage yeah but um you know it, it's good for us to be courageous you know yeah, it yeah, is well, relationally true. courageous um, hey thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation with carolyn edwards talking about grief and uh we actually split this episode into two parts so you should listen to part one uh part two will actually come next week we usually go every other week on episodes but we're gonna have a special episode next week in part two uh we asked carolyn how does this um idea of grief point us to god and also carolyn shares some of her uh, practical resources and you can find those resources again in the show notes but she's actually going to walk through each one of those next week thank you guys so much for joining us and we hope to see you next time